0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Caregiving Gen X Style. I am Steve Mullen. And I'm Jennifer Mullen. If you have been taking care of an elderly family member for any length of time whatsoever, you've probably had experience with physical therapy. It could be after a fall. It could be after a surgery. It could just be to work on some kind of issue they're having. But do you really know what physical therapists do? So in this episode, we're going to talk with a physical therapist about the best ways we as caregivers can partner with them as physical therapists to help our loved ones. But first, Jennifer, how is your mom?
1: My mom is doing well.
0: You always say that.
1: I know. Which is
0: great. I'm glad she is. I'm
1: knocking on wood, right? She's been doing well for quite some time. We're in the good old days. I'm trying to remind myself we are in the good old days. She did give me a little bit of a... (laughs) A, a chuckle earlier this week. So she lives in an apartment. And as one might expect, when you live in an apartment, there's, you know, it could be noisy sometimes. Sometimes you have quiet neighbors. Sometimes you have noisy neighbors. She's actually had a fairly noisy neighbor up above her for quite some time. Other uh, very friendly with each other, but uh, he was pretty noisy, a little younger and pounding up and down the stairs, uh, which are, you know, shares a wall with her apartment. And so, you know, I would often hear, right? Oh my God, it was so loud last night. I couldn't sleep, whatever, whatever. I mean, he moved out a couple of weeks ago and she just said to me, oh, it's just, it's so quiet around here. I can't wait to get another neighbor back upstairs. I just, I, I need more activity. I'm sorry.
0: You got to pick one.
1: I could not help myself. I chuckled at that. And I said, mom, do you, are you listening to yourself? Because for months you were complaining about how noisy it was and how you couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. So try to enjoy it. Uh, Yeah, so I I got a little chuckle out of that. Yep. Steve, how's your mom? I've
0: got a funny little story. Uh, Just a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I was at her apartment and she asked me to look at her toe. And I believe we have referenced (laughs) on this podcast before. It's your favorite thing to do. Feet disgust me. Yep. And listen, it's old lady feet. They're kind (laughs) of worse. They're kind of worse. It's not like she's had those things in for a pedicure <laughs> anytime soon. So I said, of course, Mom, I'll look at your foot. She said, well, my my little pinky toe here, it just seems kind of raw. So we got her shoe off. We got her sock off. And sure enough, it, it was a little raw spot. So I put a Band-Aid on it, put some Neosporin on it. And, and, and you
1: survived that. And by I the way. did. I nearly vomited me.
0: in my mouth yeah. three or four <laughs> times during that process. But we got through it. And I just, you know, we let it go. I figured, well, I don't I don't know what could be rubbing. She's not walking. She doesn't walk. She's in a wheelchair. But who knows? So anyway, just the other day, she said, oh, I figured out what was going on with my toe. And I need to back up just a little bit. I do her laundry. There had been some missing socks. And we couldn't figure out what happened to
1: the socks. Well, there's always missing socks from
0: laundry, of course, so that's not of totally, course, totally But unusual. I couldn't figure out what happened to them. Sure enough, she said, oh, I figured out what happened to my foot. And I found the missing sock. I said, what do those things have to do with each other? And she said, well, the, the missing sock was up in my shoe. <laughs> so I'm thinking probably a CNA helped her get her socks Aww. off and just shoved them inside the shoe. But it had been there for God knows how long. Two weeks. I know, but she
1: can't lean over really. And she didn't
0: in, know it. Yeah. And yeah. I said, you didn't know there was a sock inside your shoe that was not on your foot? She said, no. It was, it was jammed way up in the front. And, and it was just, I didn't feel it. Right. Wow.
1: Well. That is not something she will need physical therapy for. No. However, However, physical therapy is a critical tool for keeping your loved one healthy. And, and is, by the
0: way, we, we call that a transition. Right. That was good. That was really good. i saying. That I'm, was not I'm in your copious
1: notes, and I still made that you transition. Did. You did. It was, a, mm-hmm. it was a bridge. Yep. But physical therapy can come in many forms. All of them, of course, have the goal of keeping the patient stronger.
0: So this is the first of three therapy episodes we'll be doing. Uh, In the future, we're going to talk with a speech therapist and an occupational therapist. They won't be the next episode, but it'll be down the road a bit. But our guest for this episode is Dr. Julie Brower. She's a doctor of physical therapy based in Charlotte, North Carolina. She has worked with hospitalized patients in acute care and inpatient rehab and also in the home care setting. So, Julie, welcome to Caregiving Gen X Style.
2: Hello, Steve and Jennifer. I am so excited to be here.
1: Well, we are happy to have you here. We are very excited
0: for you be- to be here.
2: Before we talk about anything
1: related to physical therapy, we want to congratulate Julie because she just got married two weeks ago. So congratulations.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I'm still living in a dream world. I wish I could just relive the day over and over again.
0: oh uh, Okay, the- but you remember it.
2: You know, I do. And- That's the
0: crazy thing. Some people don't.
2: Is crazy. It really was a big, beautiful blur. And there are some moments that are very strong in my memory. And then. After the ceremony and the champagne started flowing and the bourbon, things got a little hairy after that. Uh, ooh,
0: that that's when it bourbon, got fuzzy.
2: That sounds
1: like my kind of wedding.
0: Jennifer is a big fan of bourbon. Because uh,
1: I also like to crash weddings, Julie, but we could talk oh, about I love that it. another time. Yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, a very skilled wedding I wish, we'd, I wish wedding we'd known crasher. we
0: would have driven down to Charlotte and, yeah, and just crashed that the Yeah,
1: between that and wedding.
2: the bourbon, I'm in. It was a party. It was a full bar. It was There's a lot of oh, dancing going on. That's the best Why? 90-year-old, well, it's Nick's, my husband's grandmother, but she's my grandmother now. Uh, she was out on the dance floor. It was incredible.
1: Oh, that's, that's great. Awesome. That's That's great. awesome.
0: You mentioned uh, during our pre-show emails that your mother's health is declining a little bit. So tell us, Julie, how's your mom?
2: My mom, she is pretty much the definition of surviving, not thriving. That sums my mom up. Mm. She was diagnosed with esophageal cancer in 20, gosh, it was 2019. And she's technically in remission right now, but it's one of those things where it's a really uh, aggressive cancer. It likes to come back. And so it's kind of waiting for that shoe to drop of when things are going to start going downhill again. But she just overall just has a lot of uh, physical issues and, and mental health issues. And so her health in general, take the cancer away, has just been declining over the years for a pretty long time. Uh,
1: I'm very yeah, sorry to hear unfortunate.
0: that. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's rough. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we all see it. Obviously, we're all caregivers here. Yep. But tell us about your practice and where you work.
2: Yeah, so currently I so I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I primarily started out in the hospital setting. So I was working with folks in the trauma ICU, in the neurological ICU, so individuals who have had terrible accidents and strokes and traumatic brain injuries. And then I transitioned into acute rehab. I did a little bit of outpatient, and currently I am doing a mix of home health, outpatient on wheels, so individuals who are well enough to go to an outpatient physical therapy clinic, but they prefer to have uh, treatment in their homes, and then private wellness for older adults in their homes as well.
1: Julie, generally speaking, what is the best way that a caregiver can help help? a physical therapist do their job. So you're talking about, you know, certainly sometimes you are going in into homes, but even if you're in the hospital setting, you know, for those of us who are there in support of our loved ones, when you come into the room, wh- what is the best thing we can be doing to support what you're trying to accomplish?
2: Great question. I would say two big things come to my mind, first of all. The first one is t- just to be there, And I know that sounds simple. However, having been in so many settings, many times when PT comes to see a patient, the caregivers, which I understand where they're coming from, but they many times they look at it as I get a break and I can go to the grocery store, I can go do errands. And so there's just this mismatch of Seeing what their loved one is doing, what they're able to do, or what maybe they're not able to do, and they're missing out on that collaboration piece.
0: You know, it's funny. So we've done an episode that was on self-care for caregivers, taking care of ourselves while we're taking care of other people. And one of the things we actually suggested was when PT or OT or speech therapists come over, use that as break time. And, yeah. and I mean, I'm sure you can understand that it's, we, you know, you know, someone's there with your parent, maybe just go t- outside and take a break. So you're saying it's probably best to be there.
2: Yes. A hundred percent. And, and I know, cause I've, I've seen it in the hospital, in patients' homes. I mean, it's sometimes the only time they can step away and breathe. And I, I just, I Feel that so much. My mother was a caregiver for my grandmother, and so I, I saw this firsthand. And while I a hundred percent can feel that and empathize with that, having the caregiver be present so they can see many times, wow, my mom is capable of so much more. I don't have to do everything for her. I don't have to pick up the groceries or do all of the caregiving in sense of, you know, of doing a lot of physical tasks. My mom or dad is actually stronger than what I perceive. And that is a beautiful, beautiful opportunity. And that only happens if the caregiver is present during those physical therapy sessions.
1: I think I would add to that, too, if you are watching what the physical therapist is doing with your loved one, you also can make sure that they stay on task when the physical therapist is not there. You know, if if a list of exercises has, has been left, for example, you can make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. And you've watched them, you know what they can do, you know what they're capable of, and you can watch them do that. Now, I'll say too, I and my brother are very fortunate in that our mom, she is a Doctor rule follower. If a doctor gives her an assignment, she will do it. And let me tell you, I get a text from my mom every day. She's over there in her apartment doing her exercises to this day that a physical therapist left probably two years ago.
2: Yes, two years ago her surgery. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I think that's the other benefit too, Julie, is you can make sure that they're staying up with what they should be doing.
2: A hundred percent. I will tell you the when I have patients that I go see in their homes and a home health patient by definition, they're pretty sick. They've just been released from the hospital many times. And patients now are being released sicker and sicker and going home. And I will tell you the the patients that I have where their caregivers are present and they are wanting to learn how to transfer their loved one, how to implement some of these exercises, how to get their loved one engaged in mobility, I know that that patient's outcomes are going to be so much better. The patients where I walk in and they don't have solid caregiver support or the caregiver is not wanting to engage I know already that I'm going to want to get every single other type of healthcare professional, especially social social work, in on this case because they, they don't do well. They typically don't have good outcomes.
0: So for all the caregivers out there, give yourselves a little pat on the back. You're making things better.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say my number two thing that is so important for caregivers is. To take it even a step further and, and do the exercises with your loved one, become oh, really strong, become incredibly robust, the most robust human you can possibly be mentally and physically, because you need to be strong mentally and physically in order to go through the psychological distress And the physical burden of, many times, lifting up your loved ones and helping them to walk all day long.
0: That is really, I never really thought of it that way, but that's really, really a great idea. So, you know, there's a lot of places where we as caregivers can see people like you, physical therapists, at work. Let's start with hospitals, uh, which you mentioned earlier. You worked in a hospital setting at one point. From our experience, the PT people at hospitals, they're doing somewhat of a different job than elsewhere uh, how are they working with patients
2: yeah so acute care is a whole different breed just like you said in that setting two main roles one we are the ones to get in and get that patient moving we know how detrimental bed rest can be so we want to get in and get that patient out of bed get them to the bathroom get them walking as Quickly as humanly possible. That's number one. Number two, and I would argue that this second role may be even more important or just as important, is that the physical therapist is making the recommendation of discharge. So we are walking in the room, we are evaluating and seeing how this patient moves, we are asking about their support they have at home, and we are the ones who are saying, We recommend that this patient go home, go to a skilled nursing facility, go to an inpatient rehab facility, go to outpatient. We have this massive, massive responsibility of helping to shape the trajectory of where this patient is going to go after their Mm -hmm. hospital stay.
1: Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. And I'm also just thinking about it. It sort of works in the reverse to when a patient gets to a facility I'm thinking about, you know, when my mom was transferred from a hospital to a skilled nursing facility, she actually wasn't even a she was not allowed out of bed until a physical therapist came to evaluate her, which, you know, so so it works both ways, both, you know, kind of coming into a facility and then also being discharged from a facility.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a tough situation. Many times, other staff members, uh, they don't feel really comfortable mobilizing the patient, and there's a lot to be said there because really, the caring for a patient who has decreased mobility is in the hospital. It should be every single person's job to get this person up and get them moving. But there's a lot of fear and trepidation with the other healthcare professionals about, oh, I don't know, I'm not strong enough. I don't know if I can transfer this patient. I don't know what's going to happen. And so many times. It relies a hundred percent on the physical therapist, and that could lead to hours, maybe even days, where a patient unfortunately is is left in bed until the physical therapist can t- can get to them.
0: So, you know, Jennifer kind of mentioned you know situations like a nursing home or a skilled nursing facility. Let's talk about those a little bit, though. Physical therapy is a huge part of how those types of facilities help a patient. Correct?
2: Yes. Absolutely. Skilled nursing facilities are an interesting setting. In the physical therapy world, we call it the non-sexy setting, for lack of a better (laughs) term, Um, because the many times individuals who go from the hospital to a skilled nursing facility, they have a lot of chronic disease. They don't necessarily have... Um, as much of a ability to improve their functional outcomes. And this isn't black and white. This is just generally. Many times at a skilled nursing facility, you have your long-term care patients. So folks who, who are not going to improve functionally and they live there. So I always think of physical therapists who work in that setting as amazing, amazing individuals because they get forgotten about a whole lot. And many times those patients get forgotten about. And the the reality is that even if patients do go to a skilled nursing facility, many of them can be short-term stay and those folks can end up improving dramatically and going home. So it's a very, very important PTs in that setting to work on getting this patient from sickness to wellness to fitness as as much as they possibly can.
0: Right. I mean, and that's been our experience with skilled nursing has been, you know, Jennifer's mom, my mom was in the hospital. They needed to get stronger. They were sent there for, well, I mean, you know, after big surgeries, it was a month, but, you know, my mother had a couple of hospitalizations and they sent her there for a week afterwards. So very temporary.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting, skilled nursing facilities are becoming more utilized for that short-term care because those inpatient rehab centers, those acute rehab centers, are becoming few and far between. So we're seeing a lot more individuals being discharged to skilled nursing facilities. Um, and many times the insurance plays into that because um, many insurances will will pay for a skilled nursing facility versus an acute rehab. So we're seeing a big movement of a lot more patients being discharged there. Hmm, That's interesting. That's interesting.
1: Of course, there's also outpatient physical therapy. So this is where a patient, you know, will come to what is basically a gym to work toward a particular goal. So how is the work different there compared to skilled nursing or a nursing home?
2: Yeah, so those patients are ambulatory. They can be doing pretty well. So this could be you know, either of your uh, parents. Let's let's consider if they were independently living in the community, and perhaps they're having some arthritis in their knee, and they're fairly active. And so many times, that's the type of avatar that will be walking into an outpatient clinic. Many times, pain is the primary driver of someone going in to see a physical therapist in an outpatient center. So very different. You're typically. Able to do much higher level exercise with these folks because they're not as sick, um, which is which is always a really really cool setting to be in because you can pretty much do what you would do with an athlete with these folks.
0: And you know, finally, there's also home care, and we we you mentioned that you, this is something also that you do where the physical therapist actually comes to the loved one's home, works with them. It's obviously convenient; you don't have to go anywhere, but. Is the patient missing out at all compared to going to an outpatient facility that's got all the equipment and all the cool stuff?
2: Yeah. So it's a great question because uh, home care, like the phrase, can can be really confusing. So someone who is receiving home health services, they are from CMS, from Medicare, they are considered homebound, which means that they actually have to have an inability to normally leave the home. So they have a medical diagnosis that contraindicates leaving the home. They are unable to leave without considerable or taxing effort. They have to have an assistive device, etc. cetera. So that's what homebound status means for someone who is receiving home care. However, there are individuals who are like that patient who can walk into an outpatient clinic, but they prefer to have those services in the home. Two completely different types of home care. So, the individual who is well enough to walk into an outpatient clinic, but prefers to have care at home, they are definitely the individuals who just really prioritize convenience. Many times they're working individuals, they want to be able to get their PT done on their lunch break. Perhaps they do have equipment at home or a gym. But to loop around to your actual question, I agree with you. Those individuals, I want to push them to going into an outpatient clinic or going into a gym setting because my goal is to get individuals into a gym so they actually start structured exercise with peers,
1: yeah, it's just like regular physical activity for the healthiest of of people, right? Like exercising at home versus going to a gym where you do have equipment and you can work all different types of muscles and et cetera, et cetera. So it seems that it's same same thing. Physical therapy, if you've got you know injuries or things you're trying to recover from, use everything that you have at your disposal. Seems like it makes good sense for sure. Absolutely. So I think one of the biggest problems with physical therapy. At least here in the United States, and you sort of touched on this briefly, Julie, and, and that's insurance. So, you know, when a patient starts to to plateau or basically, you know, really stops improving, insurance may no longer pay for the service. So, how, how often do you come across? And that is one thing, by the way. I'm going to do a little squirrel for oh, a boy. moment because it's physical therapy, and it's just the it's it's our healthcare system in general, right? When insurance companies are telling. The medical professionals, something you know, is no longer They're needed, in charge. and that's very frustrating. But how often do you come across something like that, Julie?
2: All the time, Jennifer. Yep, <laughs> it's a constant battle, and it's across settings. You know, unfortunately, in inpatient rehab, even if someone has had a traumatic brain injury, if they have a spinal cord injury, and this is someone who needs therapy for potentially my goodness, years on years, many times their insurance is only going to pay until they get to a point where they're just functional enough to get in and out of the wheelchair, on and off the toilet, in and out of the home. And we know that that can't be the end point for that person, right? There's so much rehab left for that individual. Mm -hmm. And we we see it in acute care where many insurances are not going to pay for the highest level of care. If they're just functional enough, then they will say, hey, this person has to go home, even if they're not safe to go home. In the outpatient world, we see it all the time where as soon as that individual's pain is gone, insurance will many times say, okay, they need to be discharged or They're not making enough progress anymore. They need to be discharged. And it leaves so much left on the table from a recovery journey standpoint. And thank goodness that we have individuals who do therapy and wellness from a private pay perspective, which obviously not everybody is going to be able to pay for. Mm -hmm. But it's so wonderful that we have options so that people can continue on with their rehab journeys
0: right i mean this is something that that we have uh you know firsthand experience with my mother i had a pretty significant back surgery she would lost a lot of control of her right leg and when she got out of the hospital they sent her to a rehab institute in our area which is a palace. I mean, it's it was brand yes. spanking it's new. Gorgeous. I think literally had been open for a month when they sent her there, and this place was amazing. But she was there two weeks, and we came in for the, uh, the the patient care meeting with the family and the you know all the different therapists and the doctors and such. And I couldn't be there on that day. I was on the phone, but they basically announced it's time for her to go because she's not progressing quickly enough for us. Uh, and we don't think this is the place for her. The good news really, truly, it probably wasn't the place for her to begin with. She needed more uh, medical care. she needed more kind of hands on and she ended up in a sniff for a month, and really, that was a far, far better place it for was. her. It but was. you know, if it was a situation, you know, other situations, it would have been a really bad thing to send her home so it's it 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 can be good or bad, I guess
2: it definitely can and sometimes, if you think. You know, on the front end, maybe the physical therapist could have made a better recommendation because those, you know, the palaces, right, those acute rehabs, they require patients to do a lot, a oh lot my, yes. of movement, a lot of exercise. And some patients, they're just too acute or they they just can't do that level of intensity And then a skilled nursing facility can be a wonderful, wonderful option for them. My mom, after she had lumbar fusion surgery um, like two years ago now, and she went into a skilled nursing facility and it was a fantastic, it was a fantastic place for her. And really that it, it starts with that acute care therapist in the hospital really understanding the patient to be able to make that effective recommendation. And obviously there's so much that goes into Discharge beyond just what the PT will recommend, but it's that's really part of our responsibility is is trying to make sure that we get that recommendation right.
0: Right, and, and my mother had been there a couple of different times, and it really I think we called it physical therapy boot camp. It was yes, it was tough. It. <laughs> she was working all day. Yeah, long. I was just going
1: to say I, I'm I'm having little snippets of of memory of uh, what her schedule was. Of course, all this. Right, this was happening during COVID. Like we couldn't, eat, or I couldn't go inside. I right, remember no, like visiting with yeah, her outright outside. That was me. Right, but her talking about sort of like what what the schedule was, and it was I I was I was tired <laughs> 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 thinking, thinking about the schedule that she was
2: on. It's crazy, right? I mean, it's all day long. You are with P T O T speech. It's yes. almost three hours a day back to back. It is. It's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a lot. So. Boot
2: camp is the perfect. Uh, <laughs> That's a good for yeah, it. <laughs> that
1: is a good way to describe it. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, let's talk about what can your loved ones do on their own without a physical therapist. So you know, and I and I feel like my my mom is is kind of a good example because she is still living independently, thankfully, um, but you know, with a with a lot of support from from me and my brother. Like I said, Julie, she's the, I mean, I'm not kidding. There is a, a sheet of notebook paper with these exercises written out on it that a physical therapist wrote out. I, it had to have been a year and a half or two years ago. It is still taped up on a kitchen cabinet. I love and, it. And, you know, pretty much every day, you know, she kind of goes into the kitchen. Of course, she's her mobility has declined a lot. So she's got to hold on to the counter or the kitchen table or whatever. But she's doing these things. So, yeah. you know what? What do you recommend if someone is if you don't have someone like my mom who is going to f- be motivated completely on her own? Um, Your mom sounds
2: you, like the best patient ever.
1: She, oh, she <laughs> oh she totally is. She really is. Yes, everyone falls in love with Goggy. Absolutely, yes.
2: medical professionals or
1: you know coworkers of mine who she's never met. Yes, they all love her. But what do you know? What do you recommend for for folks to do on their own?
2: Yeah. So million dollar question, because the goal always is, how do I take what I am doing with my patient and scale it and modify it down so that it's approachable and not intimidating and safe for this individual to do at home? And that can be easy. That can be really hard for folks. So there are some individuals where if they have supportive caregivers, if they are cognitively intact, if they can follow instruction, I will give them a scaled version of whatever I am doing with them. So if I'm having them do a squat or a deadlift and I'm using a dumbbell, for example, I may scale that down to where they do it in sitting instead if there are some balance issues. So we don't have any um, fear that we're going to have a loss of balance or a fall. And so that's my ultimate goal is how do I make a home exercise program look as close as possible to what I am prescribing for them? If that fitness part, those higher level exercises are not going to be approachable, if that's not going to be an option, then my goal may be that I'm just trying to get this patient to sit on the couch less, right? So can I give them a walking program? Can I give them marching in place? Can I try and habit stack? So every time they're watching their TV show or making their smoothie, they do a couple of walking laps around the living room. So I'm trying to just decrease that sedentary behavior.
1: Well, and actually, so that's a a really good point to just even thinking about it in the simplest of terms, decreasing the sedentary behavior, it doesn't necessarily, right, it doesn't have to be a big thing, a big movement, a big set of exercises, but what are the things that you can do to encourage your loved one to get up and move around?
0: It it could be a half of a block walk. If that's hard for them, do the half block walk, come back, And then rest for a little while
1: and even, you know, smaller scale. So I think I'll use this. I was thinking about it because so one of my um, supports for my mom is to is to do her laundry. Right. But then when I when I take her laundry back over to her apartment, she never wants me to put it away. She always says, let let me put it away. And you know, I used to just want to put it away for because, right, I just want to do something for her. But then I yeah. realized like, oh, right. It's first of all, it's something to fill up some space in her day. But it's also it is a little bit of exercise. It's not a massive amount, but it is a little bit of exercise for her to pull things out of the bag and put them away in drawers or hang things up in the closet. So even little stuff like that, right?
2: It totally counts. I think we and I don't know like therapists get very they get really doubt on themselves if they're not able to be able to get a patient to be doing a lot of the fitness stuff. And then the reality, it is such a valuable goal to be able to get someone to just move more. And many older adults are also just bored. They're so bored. Yes. And so when you are giving something to them to fill their day, like I will put on their favorite music and have them do musical chairs, meaning during their favorite song, they are doing as many sit-to-stands from different surfaces, you know, the couch, the recliner, or the kitchen a chair, as they can. Simple, simple things like that. And always keeping it meaningful. If they love to be able to go out and get their own mail, then it's, let's do a lap to the mailbox and see how long that takes you. And then let's try and have you do it again next time. And maybe you do a little bit faster.
0: That, that's so, fantastic. I, I love the idea of just turning, you know, an everyday activity into exercise. Yeah. That's fantastic.
2: Th- and that's all it takes is figuring out what do they like to do? What is a meaningful goal? And I love to get eight layers deep there. Like if I'm talking to my patients, like what do you love to do? It's Tuesday. It's the afternoon. You are doing a thing you love. What is it? And who are you doing it with? And once I have them describe what that looks like to me, that activity, that's how I pick all of my exercises. And then that link is so clear that they have a lot of buy-in into what I'm asking them to do.
0: Mm, I love that. What's your feeling on things like chair exercise classes, chair yoga? Because so... Jennifer's mother and my mother are very different. My mother will do things if it is a lead activity like that, but she's not so much good at sitting in her apartment and using the exercise band or or doing stuff like that. What's your feeling on stuff like that?
2: I love group exercise. I mean, my goal truly is to get all of my patients into a senior center, whether that's silver sneakers, if it's chair yoga, the socialization aspect, take away, you know, is the chair yoga helpful for longevity and strength? The socialization is so incredibly key. I mean, loneliness kills. It really does. So being able Absolutely. to get people constantly out into the environment to where they are around peers and they have the ability to make friends and have conversations is worth Every single penny, every single ounce of effort on the caregiver's part, I absolutely love it. From the standpoint of are many of those classes and exercises maybe underdosed, meaning many older adults are capable of a lot more, yes. However, from that socialization standpoint, it's gold.
1: Yeah, there's definitely yes, there's a lot of value just in that part, getting them out and about and around other people for sure. A uh, little side note about the the chair yoga and <laughs> just having a, a funny little memory. So during the pandemic, we were we were trying to figure out ways to make sure that, that my mom could stay, you know, a little bit active and be entertained. And so Steve actually set her up with YouTube. Chair it was like chair yoga or chair exercises but then of course the problem was like she did one or two episodes of it and then like she couldn't figure out how to get back to the episodes of the,
0: the so it chair just it yoga. just failed yeah it was we a tried. good yeah. idea well
2: we tried the tech issues that can yes. be tough that's a Absolutely. whole other episode oh, if you haven't listened was... to that one Julie uh, you can go back yeah I go saw back it, I didn't listen one. to that one in particular <laughs> but <laughs> I was like oh boy that's. I yeah, would that's highly recommend
0: stuff. it yeah. it's one of our favorites
2: yeah a lot of patience is required for that oh for sure
0: so one final question we think I can't guarantee it. But if you had to give one piece of advice to a caregiver of an elderly person from the point of view of a physical therapist, what would it be?
2: Become, as I said earlier, become as strong as you possibly can. Lift the weights. Get your heart rate up. Build reserve and resiliency to where, worst-case scenario... I always teach this worst case scenario your loved one is on the floor that you feel confident that you can help them get up in that worst case scenario that's why we need to be really strong
0: and it's you know it's funny you should mention that because i mean jennifer and i have talked about this my mother pre-back surgery she had lost basically control of her right leg she couldn't transfer herself anymore and i was staying with her five days a week my brother would come over two days a week and, and give me relief but i i remember calling jennifer or texting jennifer and just saying my god the volume of transfers mm-hmm. that i have had to do today every time she has to go to the bathroom it's four transfers out of the chair into the wheelchair wheelchair Onto the toilet, toilet, back to the wheelchair, wheelchair, back to the chair. That's four transfers. I was dying. Yes. I mean, Sweating, I had, your
2: back is yeah. hurting. Yes, I mean, it's a lot
0: absolutely. And on top of that, of course, my mother kept her her house at like seventy-five degrees in the oh, fall. Of course, that made it worse. <laughs> but I mean, I just I couldn't. I, I it blew my mind the amount of physical work I did during those few weeks before she could get into the hospital.
2: Absolutely. And that's exactly, Steve, that's like the the prime example of why caregivers need to be so physically strong and mentally strong because it's not easy. It is, it's extremely challenging emotionally and there's a lot of stress and anxiety and depression and that goes into this type of role. And so the more fortitude you have in your mind, and your body, you're going to be able to continue to be that caregiver that you want to be for your loved one.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And we actually, we did an episode on self-care actually. But I feel like that ties in together very well to your point, Julie, you know, staying physically strong. And also, by the way, Steve has, has been known to have to go over to my mom's apartment and help her up off the floor. Not after a bad fall, but she sometimes might occasionally- Just
0: slides to the floor. Just
1: slide down out of her recliner onto the floor and she can't get back up. So Steve has to be strong for that. But the mentally strong part, I definitely think is really good advice as well. And we've talked about how you have to how you have to take care of yourself in the middle of any of these journeys, for sure. Yeah, so.
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Well,
1: physical therapist, Dr. Julie Brower, thank you so much for joining us today. We, we really appreciate we, it. We This has been a really good conversation. We've loved having you with us.
2: Thank you so much. There's nothing I love more than rapping on all things older adults. So I am just very appreciative of the opportunity.
0: That's great. So, We do have a quick program note before we wrap up this episode. So typically we release episodes every other week. You probably know that by now if you've been listening for any length of time. But two weeks from the release of this episode is Christmas week. Technically speaking, our next episode should come out on December 26th. Clearly we're not doing that. So our next episode will come out in three weeks. And that will be the day after New Year's Day. So. Again, thanks to everyone for listening. You want to get in touch with us, there's a number of ways to do it. You can email us, caregivinggenxstyle at gmail.com. You can text or leave us a voicemail, 804-723-1221. You can also find us on Twitter. Our handle is at X Caregiving. We're on Facebook. Just search for the name of the podcast and you'll find it. We've been posting some fun stuff there, including a picture of one of our cats who had to be involved. She had to be involved in the recording of the episode. So there's a picture of her doing that. So thanks to everyone for listening. We hope to hear from you soon. Have a great day.
1: Good night, everyone.